From Hama Japan, this is Frank Ling. And from Chicago, Illinois, I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to Grok Science. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's show, the Relativistic Heavy Ion Collider and Redwood Forests. In addition, we're joined by Reina Otsuka and Nano Sonobe, who will talk about Equatoisa. So stay tuned for all this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And the world famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok Science Show. Welcome back to the program. I'm Frank Ling. And I guess that makes me Charles Lee. How are you doing, Frank? Uh, well, wide awake. Well, that's uh, probably the best way. Who wants to spend your life comatose? So, so, Charles, why is it that every time I see you, I'm in my pajamas? I I guess I'm just lucky that way. I guess you are. Not that I mind or anything, but... Gung Huai Fat Choi. Ah, that's right. It's that time of the year again. <laughs> it, it is that special time of the year when the new year starts for all of those who follow the lunar calendar. Yeah, it's like year, what, 4680, or... I've lost count, actually, but... Uh, 4708, I believe. Right, so it is the year of the tiger. That's right, and uh, even though that is apparently my year, uh, someone told me it's going to be bad luck for me. I thought it was supposed to be good luck. I thought so, too, but um, so far it's been pretty good. Uh, Went on a... um, uh, a little trip to West Virginia, met one of our fans there, so we'll give a shout-out to our fan in West Virginia. Yay, West Virginia! And how about yourself, Frank? So far, so good. The weather's uh, a little bit weird, but last few days have been um, pretty clear and uh, warm. Well, good news for the the new year, I guess. Lots of great snow, lots of great skiing, but in some places, uh, not so good. And actually, this brings me to my first story. Oh, wow. It actually led up to something. I was just thinking it was random banter. In fact, it was a segue. <laughs> hey, whatever works, right? So, you know, there's uh, more evidence that global warming is a real problem, uh, and all this extra snow we're seeing is actually not just, you know, a fluke in the weather. Some people now believe that global warming is not a problem, but most likely that's is the cause of all this extra snow at certain places. But in California, uh, it's leading to less fog, and that's becoming a problem for the uh, redwood forests. Really? So there's less fog in the redwood forests? You know, contrary to what a lot of people think, fog is not such a um, ephemeral thing. It actually has a big role to play in a lot of ecosystems. And especially for uh, redwood forests, they uptake their water through the fog. Ah, so the moisture uh, it provides the water content and I guess the stomata of the, the, the forest just kind of take it in? Right, so the pores, the stomatas, uh, they open up during nighttime and that's how they take taking the water but over the past hundred years there's a clear trend showing that the amount of time for uh, available water through the fog has been drastically decreased and it's uh, we're getting basically three less hours of fog each day on average oh my so that's going to stunt the growth of the forests yeah so of course you know in general if things are warmer plants will grow faster but this also means they'll 
perspire or transpire the water much quicker, which is uh, a big problem if you want these forests really to grow. Hmm. Okay. So, what's the solution? Well, I think it's not going to be so easy to bring back the fog, but somehow you got to find some ways to have these forests maintain their water content, and uh, the outlook is not so optimistic at this point. Oh well. Um, enjoy the forest while you can. They won't be uh, there in the future. <laughs> They'll just rise up. I think they're just going to get pissed off, rise up like the trees in Lord of the Rings, and come crashing down through the cities and take over mankind. People are overrated, huh? <laughs> Anyway, if people want to learn more about this. And if people want to learn more, uh, it's been reported in a couple of news articles, but it actually comes from our very favorite journal. Oh my goodness, my respect for this journal has grown immensely in the past year once they deigned me worthy to be published within its illustrious covers. This is, is of course, the, the Proceedings, proceedings of, of the National, National Academies of Sciences. PNAS. Well, going from nice and cool like fog to hot, hot, hot. Wow, you sound like a Las Vegas commercial. Uh, how are you doing at the tables? Uh, well, I'm not doing as well as uh, particles are in the subatomic world of particle physics. Oh, yeah. They tend to be kind of hot when you uh, start accelerating them to high speeds, right? <laughs> well, they do. They are indeed. And uh, I guess when you get them to really, really high speeds, get... Um, into the tremendous energy ranges, and at that point, you get to start to study fundamental laws of the universe. Wow, so is, is this where uh, the four forces start to meld into one or something? Uh, you get to that point, and also you get to uh, study, for example, how the early universe might have been uh, formed. So what the uh, so-called primordial soup may have looked like at Planck time after the Big Bang, right? Indeed, indeed. So this was work that was reported at the recent American Physical Society meeting in which work that was done at the Relativistic Heavy Ion Collider at the Brookhaven National Laboratory. Oh, the RIC. That's right. Also known as the RIC. I think they should call all these experiments RIC roll experiments. Those particles know how to dance. In fact, if I had my way... Once they get to the fundamental particle of the universe, I, I think it's going to be Rick Astley. Ooh, what's the frequency? Well, well, that, uh, that I think would be Kenneth. Uh, but what uh, researchers at the, uh, uh, the Rick have done is that they've shown that when you get to uh, these very high energies, protons and neutrons and all the particles kind of meld into their constituent parts. And what they found is that a lot of the symmetry that's usually there goes askew which might actually explain why there's more mat matter than antimatter in the universe. So they're trying to explain why we are made of matter and not antimatter. Or why there's more of one than the other, because mm -hmm. one would guess that uh, at the early stages of the universe, these two things should be more or less created in equal fashion, and they should all annihilate one another. But why is there more uh, matter than antimatter? Antimatter and matter are symmetric or mirror images of each other, and that's why they cancel when they come into contact with each other. Is that right? But as you cool, this kind of changes, and mm -hmm. uh, there's sort of a symmetry breaking. Mm -hmm. So, very fascinating work. Uh, one of Brookhaven's researchers, Dmitry Karizov, made a prediction of this, and a lot of their experiments are starting to bear out many of his predictions. So, uh, I guess they'll actually be able to study this event for quite a while then. 
they're still analyzing the data, and who knows what else will emerge. Again, I think we'll we'll see maybe Lady Gaga <laughs> as the anti-particle. I'm waiting for the Higgs boson. <laughs> well, you know the Higgs can dance. Ah, uh, indeed. All right, and if anybody wants to know a little bit more about uh, the Rick, it was presented at the recent meeting of the American Physical Society and reported in a recent edition of Science Now. Coming up in a few moments, Ms. Reina Otska and Nana Osanove will talk about Equatoza. So stay right there. Welcome back to the program. In Japan, what is old is new again. Some of the traditional practices have been returning over the last few years. Joining us today are two very special guests who are making a very active effort to bring back some of the great traditions of Japan for environmental goals. Uh, joining us right now are Rina Otsuka and Nana Osanove. Uh, Reina is the president and co-founder of Ekotoaza, and Nanao is the international director. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank, Thank you. you very much. So, Reina, how did you develop Ekotoaza, and what was the inspiration behind it? The inspiration, um, I've always wanted to found a company that uh, makes decent profit and at the same time solve environmental problems and um, I came up with this idea in 2001 when I was studying in Berkeley as an international student. I just thought that Japan has so many good things mm-hmm. and but you know we're not really good in English and you know we, we don't really communicate to the world about it so I thought I can be a bridge between Japan and the rest of the world mm-hmm. and that's how I came up with this idea. We started the company in 2006, mm-hmm. so yeah. Great. And how did you become involved, Nano? Okay. Actually, I joined this company in April, right? This, this April, year. yeah. Yep. And I, I was actually working in Bolivia for two years, and I came back from Bolivia in this February, and I just met Reina after two or three years, and then she told me about her mission, vision, about what she's doing. And as equal to Aza, and I totally fell in love with her vision and, and her thoughts and, and her dedication to the the company, also the society. So I told her that I want to work for her. It's often very challenging for various reasons, including communications, uh, mm-hmm. lack of funding, lack of understanding. What have been some of your difficult challenges in in getting Equatoza going, and how did you overcome them? Well, basically, we're um, our clients are Japanese small and medium-sized companies, and um, we're trying to make them export their products or services overseas because um, they're making really good environmental like technologies or even you know products. If you use it instead of other things that you're using now, it could be more sustainable. So um, we're trying to export their things. But in the first thing, like, the companies weren't really interested in it because they were too, you know, the domestic market is big enough for them too. Well, which is not true, actually. But um, 
yeah, the subscriptions. Mm. Yep. Have you seen anything that really stood out this year? Or something oh, new? <laughs> something, something new. It's <laughs> <laughs> a quite good question. I don't know if it's new, but um, there were two of my favorite uh, booths where I think they were here last year too or the year before but the one of it was Doha mm -hmm. they have a great um, recycling system for raw metals mm -hmm. and yeah you know they, they had this display with um, like 300 cell phones and a ring and you know you need 300 cell phones to make this single piece of ring that much raw metal cell phones are using mm -hmm. and basically all the you know types of metals and that was pretty much astonishing and the other one was Zephyr. It's like the oh, wind turbine, yeah, yeah. Right. turbine company. I mean, it's so small, and they make four kilowatts, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you know, max yeah. mm -hmm. wind. And th mm -hmm. those were really, you know, impressing. Yeah, the most efficient way of uh, power genera mm -hmm. generating and uh, by wind power, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what they were telling us about. That was quite interesting. There was another company uh, that was making uh, office products out of uh, crops, right? Crops, yeah. Right? And uh, I don't remember the name of the company, do you? No. <laughs> I'm no. sorry, I should find my map and then tell you guys mm, about You mean paper material or yeah, Well, it's plastics. like office office materials, like uh, a pile, mm. like um, not paper, but a paper. It's like bioplastics. Like bioplastics. Yeah. But it was quite interesting because they were using crops that were are like, um, like saved rice? as, yeah, rice yeah. or like, they're saved as an emergency food. And after expiration come, they have to be thrown away. But instead of throwing away, they were using this material to make plastic, I mean, mm. bioplastics. And it's mm -hmm. good to use local things for your yeah. products. Oh, yeah, definitely. What else? I saw a lot, but. Yeah. <laughs> I know, we were guiding these tours. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, did. We we were we saw this automatic door, right? Oh yeah, that was interesting. That was yeah, funny. <laughs> this is the one with, powered by your feet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. It's called Yuki, I guess. Sliding uh -huh. door, but without electricity. Right. And yeah. you just step on this like um, what do you call it? Um, like a board. Board. <laughs> I don't know. Right. It's just kind of little j bumpy. Yeah. You just step on it and it opens the door um, automatically, yeah. but doesn't use any electricity. You you can go through, it, but doesn't shut on you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you can go as slow as possible, but still it keeps open. So I don't know mm. the secret behind it. Yeah, it's like, it's like, why didn't anybody think of it before? You know, it's so basic. You know, if you step on something, mm. the power goes. Yeah, that's interesting. Some people were talking about using this similar technology to mm -hmm. power um, a disco floor. So oh. that people dance around, you can charge up all the lights. Yeah, that's, that's like a right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good. <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah. But, yeah. but the good thing about that door was that like if you go on it slowly, the door opens slowly. Oh, so that's right, that's yeah. right. So mm -hmm. if you have a wheelchair, you can go on slowly yeah. and mm -hmm. it will shut on you. That's right. Yeah. That's oh. why, yeah, but we, we, we brought like some people to the booth, uh -huh. right? And uh, there was one, um, one person from UK looking for um, a te equal technology about a creation of energy. And he was pretty much amazed by this technology and he wanted to introduce to um, like different institutions like uh, for mm -hmm. disabled people or for elderly people and stuff like that. So yeah. a lot of automatic mm. doors shut on me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, Raina gets shut. Yeah, they don't like realize that I, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> you just, I, I forget no to push idea. the button and then I just oh, run into yeah. the door. Right, right. <laughs> if it's an automatic door, it doesn't mean use any energy and it's yeah. still it's good, really yeah. user friendly. And mm -hmm. in term, yeah, it was really yeah. interesting. 
What else do we do? I like the smaller companies. Yeah, the big ones are more like CSR. Yeah, that's Which true. is good anyway, but well, I like the mm. one in Inex. And they had this new um, ceramics um, technology. Like, you know, it really um, absorbs water mm-hmm. really good. So mm-hmm. if you put it on the rooftop, then when the rain falls, it mm. all absorbs. And it, you know, releases it. So oh, that's right. then, it, you know, the heat doesn't come into the, the mm. rooms. Which you can also do with moss okay. or grass, you know, like roofs mm-hmm. of greenish, but oh, still okay. it's very interesting. Oh, interesting. There were a couple companies in a similar uh, design where they are talking about green roofs or mm-hmm. green walls. Yeah. And it's easy to plant a grass or maybe some small plants along yeah. your walls. Yeah. And then it can help to insulate or cool down your building mm-hmm. yeah. um, at yeah. the right times. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I just remembered one company. It's called BBB. Oh, that one's interesting. Did you go see? Yeah. And they they're they're, they're basically making fertilizer, right? Mm-hmm. Out of um, um what do you call animal waste mm-hmm. <laughs> from a, a domestic animal breeder, right? Mm-hmm. And like local breeders. And then they they actually mix with uh, eggs of um, houseflies. Mm-hmm. And then um, just take about seven days mm-hmm. to make fertilizer, and they because it's uh, um, basically insects, right? They grow inside of uh, animal waste, and they don't uh, emit any uh, greenhouse yeah. effect gases. So it was basically eco-friendly, and also takes only seven days to make fertilizer, and they. It was quite interesting, and the technology was actually developed from the idea from uh, space technology. That in was Russia, actually, yeah, yeah, developed by Russia. So it was interesting, and it was actually a joint project by um, university and this company, and funded by actually, uh, I think, Environmental Ministry or something oh, really? like that. So I guess it, it was quite interesting. Yeah, one of the earlier um, challenges you mentioned was mm-hmm. trying to get local producers to open up for the mm-hmm. international market. What are what are their concerns about? reaching out to the world, are they worried about their quality going down or is it they lack uh, the communication? It's communication basically, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, like there aren't a lot of Japanese people who can speak English mm-hmm. and you know, it's, I guess it's, uh, they're afraid of, you know, people coming in. Yeah. And, mm. yeah. and also right. not many people go overseas on their own, so mm-hmm. it's, you know, kind of scary. Yeah, and if you don't know what's up, what's out there, and you don't know the steps behind it, and you, you get scared, right? And yeah. Especially if you don't know how to speak English or communicate mm-hmm. in their languages or like um, culture. But something really, you know, nice happened today. Like um, one of our clients exhibiting here, they just came up to us and talked. That like we've been with this company for three years, maybe mm, already, no? and they've been really inspired to go abroad, but um. Today, like they came up to us and said that we're going to start to really develop the international market starting today for three years. Like we're going to try more and plan. So you know that yeah. was a big treat. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. and they co- told us that we can be their partners. So oh, okay, you know, it's really yeah, it's, I'm, we are really excited about it. Yeah, so courageous. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, it's been very inspiring and. Um, Really appreciate your time. Uh, are there any last words you'd like to add about yourself or the company? <laughs> Go ahead, Nano. <laughs> oh, okay. Basically, uh, we are a company based in Tokyo, but we are, like Reina said at first, uh, we would like to be a bridge between the world and then Japanese eco-friendly products in the companies. And we are the one who, um, we are basically a platform of these different um, local and 
small companies that have really interesting and, and really um, fascinating technologies. So please come by to our website. It's uh, it's called. Uh, you can actually Google an eco-friendly Japan, and you can find our website there. And then you can find out about, uh, more about it. Okay. So, so is that eco-friendly one word or? Uh, eco, uh, what do you call? Hyphen. Hyphen. Japan.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we're just talking to Reina Otsuka and Nano Sonobe from Ecotoaza. In a few moments, the Grokatron 5000. So stay right there. Well, welcome back to the programs. Well, ladies here have agreed to join us on this week's Grokotron 5000. Today's <laughs> question is sustainable or not? Okay. And we have five following topics here. Mm-hmm. All right, number one, uh, Ito and green tea from the supermarket. <laughs> Unsustainable. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not, not. It's not sustainable. So you think just because it's uh, a health drink, it doesn't qualify as sustainable? No, just like uh, you can make your own tea at home, and you can you can bring it in like what do you call it in uh, your own bottle or your um, thermos. So in this way, their tea is perfect and it's great to be like way to be sustainable. And you don't have to transport the bottle from exactly from hundreds of miles away. (laughs) Number two, uh, Japanese animation character Totoro. Okay. Sustainable or not sustainable? Sustainable. Sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> then we agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you agree? Oh, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. He rides in the neck of us, right? That's right. That's right. Doesn't emit any gases, nothing at all. Just feed it some oyatsu. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Little snacks, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, number three, Japanese Prime Minister Hatoyama, sustainable or unsustainable? I guess it depends on the condition, but well, um, I thought it was a good idea that he, you know, really mentioned the number, the figure. Yeah, you know, I like think 25%, so. Twenty-five yeah. percent, and that's what a leader should do. So, um, in that sense, I, I think I felt, you know, yeah, his him. policy is trying to be sustainable. Yeah. Right? Number four, tuna fishing. Ah, it's sustainable. Uh, <laughs> do you think so? Uh, tuna fishing, yeah. Or wait, tuna is Katsu is katsu. What's katsu? Bonito fish. That's sustainable. They okay. were certified but too. tuna fishing, I don't. Tuna fishing, maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. I don't think so. But like Irina can tell you about this boni, bonito. bonito bonito fishing because there's a traditional way of um, fishing these fish, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and actually they were exhibiting here too. But um, uh-huh. so they just like um, go and fish. Actually, one by one, we say ipponzui, meaning like fish, one fish, mm-hmm. and that was um, certified like the sustainable like fishing process uh, this year. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, like the it's sustainable because like they don't take too much fish. Uh-huh. You know, that's not really sustainable, right? So I guess it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, like Japanese ways of fishing is yeah, it's considered and certified as eco-friendly yeah. way of fishing. Or <laughs> 
The last one, nuclear power. Sustainable or unsustainable? I say it's not sustainable. Oh, not sustainable. Yeah. I mean, something you have to like work so hard to dispose is not sustainable. No. I mean, rather than trying to make new energy, we should start reducing energy. All right. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure having you too. Thank you. Thank you. And now it's time for this week's question of the week. And joining us right now is Sir Sean Connery. Mr. Connery, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, to you. Uh, congratulations to another great year. And uh, what's going on over there in the great land of Scotland? Well, for you and all the Scotsmen, we all know that it's for us, lad. Because we're following the lunar calendar, lad. Ah, and so the question is, where did this lunar calendar come from? Well, it's really brilliant, because if you look, it's not like the solar calendar where you go around and around around the sun. You're following the phases of the moon, right? And then you're counting how many times it revolves. And that's the lunar calendar, lad. Hey, Choi to you. The day is ours. And that's all for this week's edition of Grok Science. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here at Grok Science, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. We're also on Facebook. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking. Mais Rochelle, c'est vrai, on t'est vrai. Dans l'armée, tes sœurs sont trop.